The following content is provided to you as a ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a high-adventure Christian wilderness camp in Andrews, North Carolina. Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters exist to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through the exposition of Scripture and personal relationships in order to equip the church to impact this generation. For more information, visit our website at swoutfitters.com or follow us on Twitter using the handle at SnowbirdSwo. Enjoy the message. Morning, everybody. Morning. All right, go ahead and, and uh, open your Bibles to Acts. We'll start in chapter 1, and then we'll jump over to chapter 16. Um, but yeah, we're going to pick up, or just continue on, rather, uh, in the book of Acts. Man, it's been an awesome weekend having you guys here. Thank you all so much for coming. And uh, man, it was, if nothing else, it was, it was a beautiful weekend. And the Lord blessed us with incredible weather. So hopefully you all enjoyed that and but want to finish strong this morning in our time in Acts. And so what I want to do is I'm going to go ahead and give you uh, really the big idea, the main point of the, the message this morning, of the sermon. So I'm going to go ahead and give that to you, and then we're going to work our way up to it, okay? So here it is. Here's the big point I want you to walk away with. It's this, that everything that happens to you, everything, Everything that happens to you, good or bad or somewhere in the middle, is an opportunity for the gospel. Everything, everything that happens in your life, every situation, every trial, every relationship, all of it is an opportunity for the gospel. It's an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus. All right, that's our main point. So if you remember... Um, the way that the book of Acts begins, right? This is, this is after the death and resurrection of Jesus, right? This is after Jesus has come. God has come to be one of us, to live among us, to, to really truly be human. God became man and lived a perfect, righteous life where he was, the Bible says he was tempted in every way just as we are. But he never sinned. He never gave in to temptation that he was perfect. He was pure. He's holy. He was righteous. And that was huge for us because we're not. And so, I mean, we, we owe God righteousness. We, we're supposed to obey him in everything we think, say, and do. And we haven't. And so Jesus comes and he does that for us. He lives a perfect life. And then he told us the whole reason he came was so that he could lay down his life. So he could serve us with salvation. So he could serve us by laying down his life, taking the punishment for our sins. And Jesus does that. He goes to the cross and he dies in our place. He absorbs all of hell that you and I deserve. But that's not the end of the story, right? What happens next? That's right. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. The resurrection, right? (laughs) The resurrection, the best part of the story, Jesus comes back to life. Jesus is killed, but in his death, Jesus kills death and he raises again. He rises again in victory and power. And just like he said he would, just like he said he would. And then after that, he's hanging out with his disciples. He comes back and he hangs out with his disciples and listen to what he says to him. So this is Acts chapter 1. And I'll pick up in verse 6. So when they had come together, the disciples with Jesus, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 
He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So it's incredible, right? This, this, is, this is amazing. Jesus, after his resurrection, is hanging out with his disciples, and they ask, they're like, hey, is this, is this when you're going to get rid of, like, the Roman Empire, and Israel will be a sovereign nation again, and you'll be our king? Right? They're asking, like, are you going to do things politically like we want? And, and he says to him, he says, listen, that, that's above you. That's beyond you. That, 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 that's God, the Father's deal. He says, but here, I, I, got, I got a job for you. Here's the deal. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to be indwelt and sealed and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Why? To what end? He says, you will be. God bless you. You will be. Listen, he doesn't say... You might be, right? Listen to what he says. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He says, like, in your, like, where you live right now, in your hometown, and then you're going to spread out, and you're going to tell everybody about me. You're going to be a witness to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So he he gives them, and by giving it to them, He gives that to all of us. Anybody who would follow Jesus, anybody who would be a disciple of Jesus, we still have this same job. If you're a Christian, right? If you've repented of your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you've been given the Holy Spirit. We have the same exact job that they had. Be a witness for Jesus. Tell people about Jesus. And then they're this awesome moment, right, where Jesus ascends, like he flies up into heaven, and they're just standing there dumbfounded, which is understandable. And then these angels show up, and they're like, what are y'all doing? Didn't, didn't Jesus just tell you to get to work? Why are you looking at the clouds? Get to work, because Jesus is going to come back. That's our hope. He's going to come back. And so until he does, we don't live for this world. We don't live for, like, having the kingdom now in this world we live to be a witness because jesus will return and that is our hope and so that's what the book of acts is about the book of acts is all about the disciples obeying jesus it's all about the the disciples being a witness for jesus in jerusalem and judea and samaria and for them they do it they're witnesses to the end of their world in their lifetime Man, they took the gospel as far as they even really knew that they were people. But here's what's awesome. The book of Acts is kind of like open-ended. It does, it, 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 you feel like it just ends right in the middle of the story. And that's on purpose. God does that on purpose because the job is not done. And the reality is, you and I, if you're a Christian, 
we're living still in this story. We're still living this out because he hasn't come back yet and because the job's not done. But let's look at some things that we can learn from uh, Acts 16. So turn over there, Acts 16. Y'all with me? I see you. I know you're in the room. I see you. Y'all doing good? All right. (laughs) Staff, y'all here? Thank you. Thank you for making noise. Appreciate you. Are y'all hot? Is it hot in here to you? Are you good? Okay. It's a little warm up here, but I'm on a stage. All right. Acts 16. So this is awesome. Paul, you know, at this point, this guy, you know, Saul has been converted. This guy who hated Jesus, hated the church. I mean, he gets saved. God totally changes his life. And now he's doing everything he can just to tell people about Jesus, right? And so he's hanging out with this guy named Silas and Luke, and they're going around. This is his second missionary journey. So what, what, what he would do, man, is he would just travel around these areas and he would preach Jesus. He would tell people about Jesus, not just standing up and preaching, but having one-on-one conversations. He would work, sell stuff, and talk to people about Jesus. That's what he did. And so these guys are going around doing that. And, and look what happens. I'm going to pick up in verse 16. So verse 16 of chapter 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and who brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us, as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering that the jailer to, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received his orders, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. All right, so it's another crazy scene. All right, Paul and Silas are going around, and they're just having conversations, telling people about Jesus, preaching Jesus. And there's this girl, and it says, man, two, two really horrible things. Two really horrible things about her. This is one, that she's a slave, right? She's not free. She's owned. She's got these masters that only use her for their financial gain, right? It's horrible. It's evil. And the, the other thing is that, man, this girl is possessed. She's completely taken over by demonic powers. And so she's doing this thing where she's going on. She's actually saying what's true. But Paul gets frustrated because he doesn't want people to associate the pure message of the gospel with the perverted, twisted message that this girl could give by these demonic powers. So he turns around and he rebukes the spirit and he frees her. He frees her from that demonic control. But her her masters don't care about that, right? Her her owners don't care about 
her well-being. They definitely don't care about her soul. So they're just mad because they know that they've lost their financial gain. They know that they can't make money off this girl anymore. So, man, they're, they're enraged. So all of a sudden, man, they're going to take that out on Paul and Silas because they do this thing. And so they grab them, bring them to the magistrates in this public place, man, and, and, and they start making all these accusations against them. And really, they're false accusations. They're accusing them of things that they haven't done. But the crowd really doesn't care. The crowd doesn't really care. The magistrates don't really care that these accusations are false. They just care that, yeah, we know these are the guys that are going around talking about Jesus. And they hate that. So they beat them. They beat them. And they just, they literally take rods and they beat these guys. And they throw them into prison. And this is not the first time that something like this has happened to Paul. That's happened throughout his ministry. And Brody mentioned it. I think in his, his last sermon yesterday morning, where he talked about that if you're a Christian, if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to obey Jesus, right, with this one big job that he gave us to do, it's one job, be my witnesses. If we're going to do that, yeah, then we will face persecution. And there's different levels of what persecution looks like. We have to, we have to come to terms with that. We have to wrestle with that. And for Paul, I mean, he decided, yeah, that no matter what the cost, I'm going to obey Jesus. Um, so I've, uh, I've often had uh, the same type of daydream. Do y'all daydream? Some of you have been daydreaming for uh, 13 minutes and 24 seconds, which I can, I'm sympathetic to. I, I daydream a lot. I, I really do. And mostly what I daydream about is some sort of like get rich quick scheme, you know, like buying uh, stock from the stock market. I don't know how that works or where it is, but I know that people do it. And then I have this fantasy about like, I bought this little known stock and it just became the greatest company in the world. And now I have all this money, right? Or, uh, or playing, I'm okay, I'll, I'll play the lottery just once. I'll play my kids' birthdays. And if the Lord loves me, <laughs> then I'll win millions of dollars. And then that, what does that daydream lead to? Not just winning the money. Yeah, what am I going to buy? What am I going to get, right? And that usually looks like a truck, a certain type of house, fur coats, state-of-the-art hair piece. It's a beautiful daydream. A laugh machine that somebody can hit in the back when I make jokes. It'd be awesome. Oh, man. Tell me who that is later. I'll deal with that. There we go. Um, man, just, but you've had this fantasy, right? You've had this daydream. What would it be like to be rich, to have money? Right? And, and I think... So I've often had this one because uh, one of my favorite movies growing up was Back to the Future. I'm not even going to ask how many of you have seen it. But it was one of my favorite movies ever. And in that movie, there's a brilliant part of the plot. Like, it's just, it's it's brilliant storytelling. Because this one character, man, he he goes into the future and their time machine. And while he's there, he buys a sports almanac. Which tells you, like, the results of all these sporting events 
that haven't, for him, in his time, they haven't happened yet. So he's going to buy that sports almanac, he gets it, and he's going to take it back with him, because then he's not even really betting, right? He just knows the results that no one else knows, and so he can just start putting money down on games. He knows he's going to win. Like, I've had that daydream, and I think, man, what would that be like if you went and got that? And I think about, like, when I was in college, and how much money I wasted just going out to eat, going to movies, doing dumb stuff on the weekend when I should have just been saving my money, right? Like, I think, what would it have been like if I just would have taken all that money instead of going out, hanging out with my friends, going places, if I just would have stayed on the dorm, eating ramen noodles, and saved my money? Then I, then I could have invested it in games that I knew the result to, right? Now, and, 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 when I, and when my friends were like, hey, man, you want to go hang out? I'd be like, no, nah, dude, I'm, I'm going to skip. Like, dude, you're missing out. And I'd be like, no, I'm not. I'm missing out on hanging out with you. In 10 years, we're not even going to know each other's names anymore. I'm investing in my future. I'm going to be wearing pinky rings and have hair and a boat. Right? And I wouldn't think of it as like missing out or suffering because I would know like what I'm going to have in the future. And so when I see Paul right here, when I see... Because look at me, this isn't just some ancient story of some dude. Like, Paul was a real dude. He's a real guy. He had feelings and dreams and daydreams and desires, just like any other human being. And this joker spent his life getting beat up, imprisoned, and ultimately had his head taken off for telling people about Jesus. Why in the world would he do that? Why in the world would he spend his life doing that? All he did was suffer. It's because he knew. It's because he knew. It's because he believed what those angels told the disciples. Oh yeah, Jesus has gone into heaven, but he's coming back. He believed Jesus when Jesus said, listen to me, y'all look at me, stay with me, please, please get this. When Jesus said, if I go, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. And that place is eternal. It's free from death and corruption and sin and hate and war and all the brokenness of this world. It is a kingdom that will not fade away. And Jesus said, man, listen, don't lay up treasures here. Don't do that. Don't be an idiot. Don't live for right here and right now. Don't daydream about being rich here. Don't spend all your time thinking about how you can have stuff here. That stuff gets old, it rusts, moths eat it, and ultimately it's going to burn with the rest of this world. He said, lay up treasure for yourself in heaven. Do that. Because listen, we should know, you should know, if you invest your life in the gospel, if you spend your life in such a way that it's all about people hearing about the name of Jesus, that absolutely will pay off a million fold. More than any stock, more than any lottery ticket, more than just even working hard and earning it, what will pay off is investing in eternal souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That'll pay off. Because that's all that matters for all of eternity. Everything else is temporary. Everything else is growing old. Everything else is going to be destroyed. So why? 
Why would we spend all our time in that? Am I saying don't have a job, don't work hard, don't go to school? No, man. Do all those things. Grow up, man. Work hard in school. If God calls you to college, go to college. If not, save all those thousands of dollars. Get a good job. Work hard. Be the best at your job. Man, get married. Marriage is awesome. Raise a family. Do all those things, but do all those things not for your glory, not for your wealth, not for you. Do it all for the sake of the gospel. Do all of it so that people can know about Jesus. Look at what Paul does, man. He's just been beaten. Paul and Silas, they're, they're literally a bloody mess. They've been beaten with rods. And they're thrown into this dungeon. They're all locked up. They're chained up. They don't complain. They don't grumble. They don't question God's will for their life. If you love me, wouldn't I be wealthy and rich and free? They don't do that. Look at what they do. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And what? Do you see it? Is it behind me? And the prisoners were listening to them. They're witnessing. They're using their suffering for the gospel. They see suffering. They see this trial. They see this situation that they found themselves in. They see it as an opportunity to witness, to let people know about Jesus. And suddenly there is a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Not just Paul and Silas, but everyone in the prison. Verse 27, when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. So that doesn't make sense to us, but for this joker, he knew what would happen to him if he lost all of his prisoners was worse than death. So he's like, man, if they're gone, he sees all the doors open. He thinks everybody's gone. It would be better for me to kill myself than to have to report this. So this joker, he's ready to do it. He's ready to fall on his sword. Verse 28, but Paul cried out with a loud voice, don't harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It's awesome. So whatever Paul and Silas were doing all night in prison, it was a clear witness to even this guy. And this is awesome. So they used their suffering. They used imprisonment. They used persecution for the sake of the gospel. And now we see, man, they use their freedom, right? They're free. The doors open, the chains fall off. And I think one, one word, run. Right? Run. I'm tired of being beaten. I don't want to be killed. I don't want to die. I don't want to stay here. The Lord just opened all this up. I'm gone. I'm running, right? Not Paul. Why? Because he saw everything. Everything that happened to him in his life as an opportunity for the gospel. And because of that, look what happens. What must I do to be saved, right? To be delivered. 
to be rescued from what? Man, sin. The power of sin. Punishment. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him. What's that mean? Man, they explained the gospel. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire, entire household that he had believed in God. They didn't see their freedom as a means of escape, but as an opportunity to witness. You see, man, this family, this whole family saved. So like for 2000 years, our time, Paul and this dude, Silas and this guy's family, they've all been in heaven around the throne, worshiping Jesus. Whatever temporary relief Paul would have experienced by running away as soon as the chains fall off, it's not worth it. He wouldn't trade that now. He wouldn't go back in time and undo that. But that's not how life works, right? There's no time machine. There's no time machine. I cannot go forward and find out who's going to win the Super Bowl. I can't go forward and find out what the winning lottery numbers are, right? What stocks are going to do good. Can't do that. But I can live my life. Listen to me. Look at me, please. You can live your life knowing, knowing Jesus is going to return. Just like he rose from the dead, he will return. His kingdom is forever. No elections, no recounts. Jesus will rule and reign forever. That is our hope. That is our payoff. That is why we're able to live life now differently. That's why you can use your freedom, use school and work, and use the freedoms that we right now enjoy in our culture. Use them for the sake of the gospel. And if, or better, when you face persecution for it, then use that for the gospel too. Invest in eternal souls. That's going to pay off for all of eternity. One of my favorite dead preachers said this. He wasn't dead when he said it. He's just dead now. Charles Spurgeon, he said, Have you no wish for others to be saved? Have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you're not saved yourself. You can be sure of that. You're either a missionary or an imposter. Dang, Charles, what's he saying? He's saying, if you're a believer, the most natural thing is for you to want to see other people saved. So the jailer did, right? What must I do to be saved? And they start telling him the gospel. Who does he want to introduce him to right away? His family. That's so natural. If you know Jesus, then you'll have a desire, a passion for those around you to know Jesus. Now, that passion, that desire, I mean, you can get that really clouded. If you get your eyes off Jesus, if you start living for the things of the world instead of for the gospel, then that passion, man, that can get cold. 
And that's why a weekend like this can be good. Get away, refocus. What's my life really about? Let me tell you. No, no, let me tell you. You, Just some guy named Rob. Let, let, Let the Bible tell you. Let Jesus tell you. What's your life about? And you're an ambassador for Jesus. Remember, the same thing he said to the disciples is true of you. What did he say? You will be my witnesses. That's why you're here. You are a witness for Jesus. And so be faithful in that. Use your freedom. Use the gifts that God's given you. Use every situation, every trial, every relationship, good, bad, ugly, painful, full of joy. Use all of it for the sake of the gospel. Use all of it to tell people about Jesus. That same preacher would go on to say this. If sinners be damned, because he's saying, if people are going to go to hell, if real people are going to spend forever in hell, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. And if you're a Christian, we've, we've got one job. We've got one job. Let's do it well. The gospel is going to happen, man. The gospel will go to the end of the earth. Every generation of Christians has had the same job and every generation of Christians has advanced the gospel. So be faithful. Start in your Jerusalem, right? Start with your family. Start with your friends. Start with your school, where you work, the team you're on, and spend your life just making sure the gospel keeps going out. That investment will return for all of eternity. And if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, you see that, man, I should fear this. Hell's going to be filled? Yeah. Real people are going to spend forever separated from God, suffering because of their sin. There is one way of escape. Jesus, he has done everything necessary to rescue you from eternal death, to rescue you from eternal wrath. If you would repent, cry out for Jesus to save you, believe in his life, his death, and his resurrection. And if you're not a Christian, you need to ask that same question. Like this morning, to your small group leader, to a chaperone that brought you, to your youth pastor, ask that same question. What do I have to do to be saved? What does it mean to be saved? You need to ask that question this morning. I'll pray and we'll worship the Lord again.